there's no doubt about it that we've very much lost our abilities to work as a complete being. The ancients of our world, the ancient cultures, were far more spiritually evolved than we were. Now, I know we've taken over upon the materialistic side, but we haven't really brought the, the spirituality up with us as well. And the whole aim of the times we're living in is to start to rekindle the ancient inner abilities and to match them up to the material world in which we live. And the result should be that we should be able to achieve near perfection. Because we've lost touch with our deep inner beings and our, our relationship to the rest of the wholeness of everything, we are malfunctioning. There's an awful lot of imbalance in the world and there's an awful lot of ill health and unhappiness in life. If you look at the natural world, if you look at animal life that is uninterfered with by human nature, uh, an animal is far more self-sufficient than we are. They, they rely on their innate abilities. They, they don't look to an external stimulus to make them function or to make them get better. They seem to have that knowledge in them that we've lost contact with. If an animal's sick and you don't go near it, it'll curl up in a corner and it'll sleep and rest and it'll fast until it gets better, providing the environment in which it lives hasn't been destroyed too much and it can get from nature what it needs to heal itself. And so we're looking really to a more holistic approach to life, to accept that we're part of a great wholeness and we really are very unique and if we trusted ourselves more we would be very self-sufficient. And on the health side of this, in many respects, the orthodox medicine that we follow today is only encouraging us to keep away from our innate abilities to heal. It's not really teaching us to work with our natural abilities. And, I, and, and for that reason, I'm very interested and feel very comfortable with all the complementary medicines. I wouldn't say they're alternative. They complement. I do think ordinary medicine today can help, but complementary medicine can give, bring you long-term cure, where I feel that orthodox medicine really, in many respects, only hits at the area that's wrong at that time. It doesn't take into account why an area of the body went wrong in the first place. And holistic medicine takes a, a much more broader view of it all. It also takes into account that there is a great deal of potential within each and every one of us through the power of our own minds to heal ourselves. If we don't push too much responsibility onto somebody else and we put responsibility within ourselves, then we do have a greater chance of total health and total recovery from illness. We are without a doubt physical, mental and emotional beings, we're not just mechanical and we've got to have all these working in perfect harmony to achieve the correct balance in life. Now we can do much to enhance our lives on the physical side, we can eat well, we can have good life habits, not, no smoking, drinking in very small amounts, we shouldn't drink at all really, alcohol is not really enhancing to our life system. We need to exercise and most of all, we need to have a positive attitude to life. And I think this is where the answer to it all live is. It is our, our view of life, a view of our value in life as well. If we do get sick in the first place, then 
I would think that the best thing to do would be to turn to holistic medicine. There are many, many forms of holistic medicine and many different practitioners and what is right for one is not necessarily right for another but as I say the holistic approach looks at the whole it really is a form of energy medicine it's really revitalizing your own life force a lot of the treatments like acupuncture shiatsu reflexology is is working on the natural energy system of the body enhancing and unblocking blockages that may be there to let the natural life force flow through your body and if your mind is operating correctly as well then you're taking in from that life force to feed yourself and rehabilitate yourself just as the natural world the animal kingdom work on that system a friend of mine who I've mentioned before who's a practitioner actually quotes figures and he said 20% of people who get sick are really quite glad to get sick. They, they don't like life, they're not happy, then life isn't going well for them, and if they find themselves with an ailment, they think, well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll give up and let go, and, and this can destroy me because I don't want to live. The other 60%, he would say, they'll go to a doctor, they do want to get well, providing that they can shove the responsibility onto the doctor, the medicine doesn't taste too bad, and it won't interfere with their life too much, and they haven't really got to change their habits to remain well. But there's the other 20% who find themselves sick and think, well, I don't want to be sick, I want to be well, life's worth living. And they'll say to their doctor, well, or to their practitioner, show me how to get better, I want to do it. And it's those 20% are the ones that effect total cure. It's those who, in terminal cases, have the spontaneous remission because they take control for getting well themselves in their own mind. A lot of people, if they're told they're terminally sick by a doctor or a specialist, will say, oh, well, that's it. That's curtains for me. They have forgotten their own ability to overcome these insurmountable medical problems. But there are those who say, well, I just can't afford to die. I've got far too much to live for. And so I'm going to find a way to get better. And where there is a will, there is a way, without a shadow of a doubt. But then, if this 20% can get better, then we all can get better. The thing we've got to have is a reason for living, a purpose for living, a joy for living. And this is what it's all about. With our minds, with the energy we project out of our minds, we can project our lives, we can project our health, our well-being, and we can project the things that go on in our life. And if the things are, are not right in our life, we do have within us the capability to put them right. We've, we always have been culturally, I think, brought up to look to experts in this or that, or to ask everybody else's opinion for things. I don't think we have been taught from birth how powerful and magnificent we really are. The education system tends to make you uh, believe what you're told, look to your teacher all the time. Our teachers don't teach the little ones really to look inside themselves at their own great potentials. I'm just going to read just a few passages throughout of some of the material I've had which is help me begin to form up my belief that the system works. These were earliest, earlier passages I had out of William Thomas. 
as I said, I had great problems in life in that I was, I was spiritually aware, but it didn't match up to the material world in which I lived. It seemed to be an absolute contrast. And he was continually powering this philosophy at me, trying to make me feel comfortable with what I felt inside, and then beginning to show me how to relate it to the material world in which I lived and how to apply it to bring the two into unison. And this first passage is to do with the power of thought and imagination. And he, this is William Thomas saying, There is great power and energy contained within thought. We must encourage our young ones to explore the depth of their imaginations, for from within those imaginings are the plans, dreams, possibilities for the dawning of a new era. And he speaks of the power of the mind to generate a better life. Look to no man of earth to create miracles for you. Look only unto yourself. Look not towards heaven for your miracles. Miracles are created from within your own being. Miracles of worldwide implication evolve from the power of the mass mind creating them and bringing them into being. Open up those dormant mind cells and bring them back to life. You are creation. And so this is really pointing to the the power of our thought. Our thought patterns pattern our bodies. We are what we think we are. The limits that restrict us in life are really the limits we put upon ourselves within our own minds. Life is very difficult for people at the time in which we're living at present. In particular, the big nightmare that everyone has to suffer with seems to be stress. Uh, we're living in a frenzied world at this present time and, and stress is causing a lot of distress because stress brings you down and eventually you're going to have ill health as a result of it. Now we need a certain amount of stress to function. We wouldn't get up in the morning, we wouldn't motivate with some stress, but too much stress brings distress. Stress comes in from bad relationships, bad work, work situations, financial problems, too much work, not enough rest, and it wears you down. And mentally it wears you down because stress gets hold of your conscious mind and it's there all the time nagging at you, all the problems are nagging at you and it makes you live very much in the conscious mind, it, it doesn't let you relax down you can't cut off your conscious life, it's, it's so painful to you and so one of the important things to do is to handle stress somehow and get on top of it and not let it get on top of us stress makes us tired, it makes us irritable, it causes insomnia and so stress prevention methods on the physical side of getting ourselves together, we've got to try and restrict our hours of work. However much we may be under pressure financially, we've got to try and restrict our hours. We've got to get regular sleep and relaxation. We've got to eat properly. We've got to look after these bodies because they do need care. And above all, we've got to learn to think properly. We've got to try and control these emotions that destroy us. And I think one of the most beautiful natural systems that's been given to us on the emotional side of holistic healing is the bark flower remedies. I was introduced to them many years ago. I've worked with them myself, been worked on by other people on them myself, and work with other people now. They really are mag magnificent, and they really do work. It's well worth reading, and I expect 
you're probably quite familiar, some of you, with the remedies, but it's well worth reading all you can about them. These beautiful different plants work on our emotions. You can go to a, a homeopath or a healer. Many will know how to apply the remedies to you if you don't want to apply them to yourself. But I think the real joy is studying the system and then working with them yourself because you can be so honest with yourself if you're prepared to. And the essence of working with them is total self-analysis. You become your own psychotherapist. You've got to re really analyze how you think and view the world, what emotions are very powerful in you, which probably shouldn't be as powerful. Our emotions really need to be balanced. We need to feel all emotions, but in balance. And if one emotion is more powerful than the other, maybe it's an emotion of jealousy. It could be an emotion of resentment. These are the negative emotions. You could have powerful negative emotions. And if one of those is very powerful, it's, gonna, it's going to bring imbalance into your life. There are other flower remedies now coming in from other parts of the world, which are the more positive remedies, which work on maybe your more positive aspects, but you may be too positive in certain areas. And, and this enhances the different flowers relate to different emotions. And you take them to bring that powerful emotion back into line with all the others. I think um, the miracle remedy of them all is rescue remedy. I mean, if you've got real trauma and you take rescue remedy, the trauma never seems quite so bad. But control of the emotions is a, is a great thing to overcome. You really have to be very honest with yourself when you're treating yourself with those. And I'm, I'm really going to read a passage here from William Thomas because it is the way we view life, what's happened to us in life, that causes us sometimes to restrict our thought processes and in that respect restrict our lives and possibly bring unhappiness to us. And this is a lo slightly longer passage, but I think it's worth reading. And it's really about the power to change the way we think. Why do we view our lives the way we did? And it's again to do with energies and we have created our own realities in which we live. We might say, I didn't choose any of this, but somewhere along the line we must have done. We must have sent out the patterns that brought that experience to us. And he's using really a, a visualization here. He's saying, still and empty must be the mind. Picture, if you will, the giant English oak in full leaf. See the great strength and energy contained within that magnificent specimen. Imagine all that energy and power controlled by the thought patterns of your mind. So much of that great energy is wasted, channeled into frustrations, wasted thoughts, self-doubt and self-dissatisfaction. Burst into life at the start of each day. Feel the energy and power within, refreshed and champing at the bit, as it would within the framework of a healthy and refreshed horse. All energy and power waiting to be channeled and directed upon the path ahead. I would say to those who would listen to what I have to say, sit take stock. What is, it, what is it as a human you do want and not expect as a result of long-term preconditioning from your life this time? What is it you would like to achieve and what don't you want to be in your future life path? The future is yours of your making from the projected patterns of your mind. A rewarding future is yours to have and hold if you can accept your ability to reach it. No one other person can stop you. Some will say, I have my family and children co to consider first. And so you do. You chose that family and those children to be the pattern of your present experience situation. 
You cannot run from that you have created. You have your duty to care for your offspring, for to neglect them in their needing years would be a violation of your very being. You may feel that your situation is not of your choosing, but a path you followed because it seemed the right one to take according to mass reality. Do as you would do and not as others would have you do. Your freedom to select your life pattern is yours and yours alone. Life patterns do not last forever, although it may seem like that to you today at your time of frustration and despair. Form the patterns for the next 20 years, for it will take you time to master you, this new discipline. Make sure from this moment onwards that you take the necessary strides to achieve all you desire. Let not pointless barriers in your own mind restrict your progress. Break down those barriers, those limitations and restrictions you have been indoctrinated with since birth to accept. You are dynamic and you are in control. Take courage and strength from the power seen within that English oak. Take your future and your freedom of soul. Remembering the cardinal rule of existence, do not violate. Blend and harmonize with the reality in which you exist. Look for perfection and expect it, and it shall be yours. These are not idle promises, but the truth I speak unto you. Find your inner stillness and begin the rebirth of your mind and ultimately your physical existence. And so here he is saying that really we are entitled to everything in life. We are entitled to peace, peace of mind, good relationships, sense of purpose and a sense of fulfillment. Life is meant to be a joy. Many of us are brought up, I think, to believe that life is not really a great joy. We see maybe our families struggle. We're not brought up to aspire, I don't think, to great things. I think that we should be taught to set goals. You, you must set goals. I agree you can't just take from life. You've got to aspire, but you've got to give back as well. Life is basically energy. If you give out good, good comes back to you. Like attracts like. If you give out good vibrations, if you're good towards people, you're good towards the environment, you're good towards the animal kingdom, I assure you good does come back. But if you don't expect good to come towards you, it doesn't. A lot of people say, I always seem, everything always seems to go wrong. One thing goes wrong and then another. And then we get into this frame of mind that we expect it to keep happening, and because we expect it to be ha keep happening, it does. It's very difficult to break negative mind patterns, I would agree. I've read many wonderful books over the years, and there are so many books on visualization, positive thought. I mean, I've applied methods. I, I was one of the biggest negative thinkers until about eight years ago, really a poor thinker, because I think I was brought up in negative thought. I, I particularly had a mother who was very negative. You're always taught the worst things, and so to break those patterns is very difficult. I was always very negative when it was dark. I, goodness knows why. I don't know why. But I once read a book that said to me, suggested that you find yourself when you're negative, or do something that causes you pain. And as I was short of money, finding was the answer. So whenever a negative thought came into my mind, and we were tight and short for money, I had to take some money out my housekeeping and find myself and put it in a box. 
I learned this method in, in a book and it, it really did work. I couldn't afford to deprive the housekeeping of the money. And so within a, a very short space of time, if a negative thought came in, I threw it out. I threw it out because I didn't want to have to put tenpence in the, in the box because the punishment at the end of the week was to spend this money you'd find yourself on something you really couldn't afford, like um, a box of chocolates or a, a bottle of perfume. And it was painful because we needed all the money to run the home. So you've got to look to methods to change your, your habits of thought. Another thing that I found in recent years, we are all surrounded by fear. We live in a fearful world. We live in great uncertainty. I mean, they say half of the problem of the world recession, a lot of it is fear and uncertainty. People have lost their courage, the monetary system. It's all to do with lack. People don't want to take risks at the moment. It's all to do with fear. And I'd always suffered from fear, things going wrong. We're worried that people might think we're failing. So what I do now is if I'm going to attempt something courageous in the future that looks totally impossible, I stick my neck out and tell someone who I know that if I fail, I love to point fingers and laugh at me and say, ha-ha, you didn't do it. So we've got to find methods to make us become positive. Um, we've got to break old patterns, and, and old patterns are so difficult to alter. I think we've got to consider everything we do in relationship to everything else. Without a doubt, I have to believe that we live time and time again. You can't get away with committing murder. Uh, you can't get away with uncharitable acts. It's going to catch up on you sometime. And in that respect, I think this is good for all of us because it brings the conscience back into operation. And, and sadly, the world is very much devoid of conscience at the present time. We've also got to develop a, a better feeling for ourselves. We, a lot of us tend to have quite poor images of ourselves. I don't think this helps us in our material lives, and it certainly doesn't help us in our health lives. Sometimes we tend to expect to be ill. I think if we can value ourselves as people, look to the, we must look to the good in other people. We tend to criticize people and the world in which we live. I think we've got to look for the good in the world and look for the good in ourselves. Too often we can stand in front of a mirror or we can say, oh, I'm hopeless at this and that. We've got to look to the good points. We've all got good points. We've all got good physical points. We've all got good mental points. We've got all got good that we can offer to others. But the ultimate way of getting in control of things, to get in control of this mind system, is by getting within ourselves and, in, and learning to be quiet and within. We live very much on the frantic outside world. Very few people find, a lot of people find it very difficult to meditate. And there is no doubt that it is getting to a point of stillness, is the point where you take control of life. To many people, meditation is a, is a difficult word. It, it means it sums up visions of sitting silently on the floor, cross-legged, and, and that, that is hopeless for some people. We, we've got to look in the earlier stages to different methods of meditation, different methods to blocking out the conscien conscious mind. Artistic creation is a, is a wonderful way to meditation. Painting, drawing, crafts. Also, things like walking, listening to music. You don't actually consciously have to say, I'm meditating, but you've got to learn a way of cutting off from the surface, frantic world in which you live in and letting peace come back into your life. And the art, then, is to work in meditation. 
to control your life, to project out patterns that you want in your life and to project for your own health and well-being. Visualization in meditation is, is a very powerful method of healing the body. And within meditation you are gradually going to learn to push back the barriers of your subconscious and enter into that area of superconscious that we do all have. Um, it's an area which perhaps we're a little bit told to avoid. You know, don't play around in these areas. These were the things I was always told. This is what I was condemned for when I spoke of spiritual things, psychic things, visual things. I was always shut down. And it's a great sadness. It, it was a, a big battle fighting out. Also, I feel our religious structures in the country tend very much to condemn the spiritual nature within us. And, and that is detrimental as well. If you're an athlete, you're taught to push your physical bodies gradually to the peak. I think we should be taught to push our mental capacity, our innate abilities within us outwards so we function uh, far more effectively. There is no doubt deep within us, deep locked within us all, a blueprint for the lifetime we're leading now. Between lives, we reach a time of assessment. And before we're reborn, we do set goals. We do s life isn't pure chance. It might be hard to accept this, and I found it very hard to accept it. But please believe me if I say I've questioned, I've doubted, and I've battled, and I do know that we live many lives. Despite having past life recall all my life, I still doubted. I thought it was some figment of my imagination, some dream state. I couldn't believe it, but I do now know it is true. I've done a lot of regression work. I've worked in that area between lives as well. I've felt what it's like to die, and it's beautiful. The most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in regression work is dying and going back home again. The most difficult thing is to live life. And the most frightening but exhilarating thing is to be reborn because you know all the challenges you've set before you. Sometimes you might be lucky to have a faint inkling in a lifetime of the challenges you've set. Sadly, most of us don't. And life is like battling through a fog and a mist. But I think we're reaching times, I know we're reaching times in our state of evolution now where there's a remembrance and those who do remember are helping those who can't quite remember to remember what it's all about, how to enhance life and what we're really setting out to do. We, we have got, we're on the second side of a full circle of evolution. I feel very much this is so and we're coming down the other side and we're going to meet up where we started. We started it out in thought, energy, form using energy and mindful things to pattern the life and the world and the environment we live in. As we've gone up that cycle, we've let go of the spiritual part of us, the inner part of us, to a greater degree, and have, have lived life on the surface, and as a result, have got into a terrible mess. Now, I feel we were intended to get into a mess. It was part of the experience. And as the remembrance comes in, as we turn round onto the second side of the circle, as the energies that flow towards Earth and from Earth at this time affect this change within us, we're going to travel down the other side and begin to meet up again. And the spirituality, without a doubt, 
is raising up within people. We're beginning to remember those innate abilities within us and there are many about actually performing these abilities. We have magnificent healers around today. Their knowledge within them and their abilities to use their knowledges, to use the energy flowing through them, to enhance the energy within their patients that come towards them. We're seeing remarkable things in the time in which we're living. Within meditation yourself, as a basis for today's talk, right body, right mind, I think the most important thing when we first meditate is to get harmony and balance in our, our physical beings. Because if our physical bodies are wrong, then the rest of our life isn't going to be right. And I think the most important things in early meditation is to seek health and well-being to our bodies. We need to visualize health and well-being in our bodies. There are many methods, there are many beautiful books you can read that teach the art of visualization. And then you need to work within meditation on your life. You need to psychoanalyze yourself before you, as you enter into meditation. And you need to work out the areas in life that problem you. I find it's very powerful to write down. I write things down. There's great, when you write a thing down, there's even more power in it. Write the areas that give you problems. Write things you feel you wish you could achieve. Write down relationship problems and then go into meditation. Maybe take one, maybe take two into meditation. Think of it. I would really like to solve this area in my life. It could be a relationship problem. It could be, as I say, a health problem. Or it could be something you'd like to achieve. Take it into meditation. Then as you slip in, forget it put it down, I write it down on a piece of paper in front of me, this is the problem I want to sort out. Then I go down, I listen to my method, I put headphones on and music and I shut myself off from the world and I forget what it is I've asked and sure enough eventually ideas start to float in. Now it takes time to reach this stage but it's taken me a long time, a great deal of time, a great deal of battling away but eventually when you get the system working it's magnificent and you can reach the stage of helping other people in that way. You can sometimes take things in for them into meditation and sometimes I can come out with philosophy for them. It, it doesn't give them the answer, but it gives them a theory to work on to get the answer for themselves. We really are meant to get the answers for our, ourselves these days. We've all got beings around us, guides and guardians, but they all seem to be working in a different way these t in these times. In times past, guides seemed to come through and offer advice that actually said, do this, do that. But I find that everyone that's con contacted through me and I see working through others are really encouraging people to draw their answers from deep within. They're not there so much as mentors anymore. They're there as friends and, and teachers who are helping you to remember. And I feel also within meditation, it is possible to begin to remember the blueprint you set out for life. And if you can lock onto that, you can save so much time. There are many ways to achieve the challenges you set out this time. And because you've made a mistake, doesn't mean you've got it all wrong. Because there are many pathways. You can either take the straight road up the middle, and if, you're, if you've managed to lock onto your blueprint, then you could do that. But most of us take 
many detours and come back onto the path, but all those are learning experiences. But because of the time we're living in, in evolution, because to a greater degree time is running out for the planet, we need to spend, spread, we need to speed up our lives. We can't afford to keep coming back quite so many times. So a lot of us have set quite hard paths in this lifetime because a lot of us, I don't think, will be coming back again. A lot of people are coming to the end of their lifetimes on Earth. There are a lot of ancient beings around today. And if they can get into that state of remembrance, they may achieve maybe some of the last lessons they need to take on to move on to other realms because there are galaxies and places of being as well as where we are today. For people who find it impossible to work in meditation, and there are people who cannot be quiet, I do know people who say it's absolutely hopeless, and even if they do things like walking, they're still cluttered up with their everyday life. The last wonderful method as well that works is by programming the subconscious in sleep. You can heal yourself in your sleep, you can sort out your life in your sleep if you believe you can do, and there are again other wonderful books that you can read that can enhance all these areas. Some people work on a real dream system. Um, there are books on dreams, understanding dreams, producing lucid dreams, working with those. But the system I've worked to, which I find is much easier and it's much more laid back and, and, not, and you don't have to be so intelligent and you don't have to analyse it quite so much, is, begin, is trust. Trust is the big word. Trust what people are saying to you. Trust the books you read, that the subconscious is a magnificent functioning thing. Program it as you go to sleep. Instead of crashing out on the pillow at night, use your sleep to work. I always use my sleep to work these days. It's a known fact that if someone says to you, um, would you like to do this or shall we do this, you say, oh, let me sleep on it, I'll tell you tomorrow. So we do know that sleep often pr produces the right decision the next day. So take your problems to bed with you. I mean, I, I used to prove it in early days by going to bed feeling very cheesed off with life, things wrong, feeling very negative and miserable and thinking, I hate feeling like this. I just don't want to wake up like this. In the middle of the night, I expect someone or something to happen to lift this mood, and I hope to, I want to wake up bright. And, it, and in the end, it always used to work. And, and I found that to be uh, such a good way of healing. I used to have ailments, and I don't have ailments anymore. So this, I could see that the system works. So if I, I could just change my mood in the middle of my night's sleep and wake up feeling charitable and nice towards everybody, then I could do other things with it. If I had an ailment, I'd expect it to get better when I slept at night. I'd say, well, I shouldn't be ill. I don't want to be ill. I'm going to let my body heal itself. You can work on relationships. You could have a problem with someone you're not getting on with, someone you just can't speak to them about the problem. Well, they go to sleep as well, and they've got a subconscious as well. And it all intermingles out there. Program that you'd like to meet that person when they're in the sleep state, that you possibly could sort out these things in the thought form, where you haven't actually got to face them. You see the results. You, you'll get a telephone call from someone you've been argy-barging with for a few weeks, and they'll suddenly seem much more charitable, and you'll think, crikey, what's happened? Well, it works. I've proved it. And you could also start patterning things you want in your future life 
to come. You could work upon your future in your sleep. You can work upon it in meditation. Visualize yourself doing things you'd like to do in the future. Keep visualizing them. Go to bed and um, visual. You might say, I don't want to live in this part of the country anymore. I want to live in another part of the world. It'll never happen. It can happen. If you go to bed, visualize yourself packing everything up and getting to that part of the world you feel you want to be or being with that person you want to be. Creative visualization is the most powerful thing we've got within us. I have proved it, that it really does work. And in that respect, this is where we can really achieve miracles. We have such things these days working as fountain groups working. Often they offer, op operate off of Earth energy sites as well. These are people who understand that com group communicating visualization can achieve wonderful things. It can enhance areas of the world. If you focus on a town or a village or even a country in strife, you get one person visualizing, you get 20, you get 30, you get 40. You build up that power of creative visualization. You can move mountains. And so really what I am advocating tonight is the power of your mind to have and hold anything you really want in life, providing you don't break the rules. If you violate things and people, you're not going to get there. You've got to work in harmony with everything and everybody. And most of all, you've got to get those emotions in balance. Many are wandering within the realms of humanistic fog. Sit quiet and alone. Feel connected to all. Grains of wisdom drop towards earth and await the rains of human desire to activate their growth. Faith is skin deep. Knowing has its roots deep within the earth. Seek roots of great depth. Look not at the surface of the day, but to the thoughts that day has left you with. It is the thoughts that have the message of learning contained within them. As the blood flows through your veins, then so does the essential message of your connection to all and all you have been. Take a piece of nature within your hand, a stone, a leaf, a handful of soil. Commune with it and try to remember your link, for far in the distance it is there. Take hold of the hand of your mother again. Relive your life, but at all times keep hold of that hand, and in so doing, you shall never lose sight of your purpose. And so I would say to you, set yourself goals. If you've got problems, some people have terrible phobias that can make their life hell. Phobias are in the mind. They've got there and they've got very powerful and they've imprisoned you and they've trapped you. And somehow you've got to break those, so you've got to set goals. For some poor person who suffers from agoraphobia, the goal for the week may be just to take two steps out of the front door and then come back in again. But you've got to believe you can do it, and the art for a person in that condition is to visualize, is to visualize themselves walking out of the front door down to the gate. And the more they visualize it, the more they put energy to it, and eventually they will achieve it. And I do so think it's so important when people are sick when they've got things wrong, even if they're taking conventional medicine, even if you're going into hospital to have something cut out of you or something put right, don't just trust the surgeons and the specialists and the doctors. Trust yourself. If you really want to get better, then the greatest 
asset to your return to full health is going to be this mind. Don't doubt, don't fear that you can't do it. Read all the books to give you the courage and the knowledge to, to get there.